Now on to the report. Welcome back to Reborn Report. I'm Don Pfeiffer. And I'm DJ Pfeiffer. Well, DJ, we've been talking about creation and comparing that with man's theories and ideas of evolution. Yeah, it's an old topic that we started a long time ago, but we're bringing it back. And we started talking about... Well, before we get into it, Dad, okay, today's a special episode. You, do you know why? Because you got a... Uh, Blue, pink, flowery shirt on? <laughs> that is not it. Oh, I know. What? You're moving out. No, no I'm not <laughs> moving out. You're buying dinner tonight. No, no. <sighs> it's our 50th episode. We've been doing Reborn Report for one year. 50 episodes. Today is the 50th episode, so I got you a little surprise. You did? What's that? It's right out the door. Coming in. Joelle. Look my, at that. My lovely daughter, Joelle. Oh, she bought us a cake. Joel, come in, come join us. Come pull, on in. Pull up a chair. You can, do we have another mic? Yep. Oh, your, your cherry fell off. Oh, look at that. She bought us a... Here's a mic for you. Is this... Scooch here, over, here, Dad. Here, here, take this mic. So this is a cake that Joel made just for our 50th episode of Reborn Report. Wow. Scooch on over a little bit more. <laughs> How, how's that? That's good. Joelle, talking to the mic. Say hi. Hi. You've never actually been on camera for one of these, have you? No, I haven't. Well, you are today. <laughs> well, this is my daughter, Joelle, and... She's um, helped us out in many previous episodes, back when you had teeth. When we had food episodes. <laughs> you, had to mention, you had to mention that. Yeah. But Joelle, seeing how you made this cake for our 50th es- episode... Show everybody. Uh, what kind of, it's melting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there goes another cherry. Oh. What, kind of, oh. what kind of cake is it? It's a banana split cake. Banana oh, Let's split. take a bite out let's of take, this. Let's take it. Take a bite. It's three layers. So it's three layers. Should, do I need to cut it with a knife? Nah, just go right in with a fork, I think. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I got to show our audience. Well, let me get, oh. <laughs> look at that. It looks like there's strawberry. Yep, there's strawberry filling, bananas, hot fudge. Mmm. Strawberry cake, chocolate cake. I got to try this. This is really good for not having sugar in a long time. Yeah. Well, you've been on that, <laughs> on that keto diet. Wow. That is really good. <laughs> now, you said this is an experimental flavor because yeah. she does a cake business. Wow. I yeah. dabble. <laughs> she dabbles in cakes. <laughs> she make, Don't let her kid you. She makes cakes for weddings. Cupcakes yep. for birthday parties, anniversaries. So if you ever need a cake, a homemade cake <laughs> made for a special event. And you live in the area. Contact Reborn Report and we will put you in contact with Joelle. And I guarantee you the cherries won't be falling off. <laughs> it's just 85 degrees it's in here. 90 <laughs> degrees. We don't have an air, air conditioner in here yet. No. And it's extremely warm in here. So, But that is a good cake. I think you should make that flavor more often. Yeah. Uh, can I have another bite? Yeah. On air? Is that rude? Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, thanks for making this cake, Joelle. You're welcome. Thanks for commem- commemorating the 50th yeah. episode of Reborn Report. Yeah, congratulations. What guys. are you going to do when we're up to the 100th? 
You're going to buy your dad a new car. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll I'll think of something. Hey, make a bigger cake. Make a bigger cake. (laughs) Give your dad a hug. All right. Give your brother a high five. My firstborn, Joelle. How old are you, Joelle? 35. 35. And you have two kids. I do. Connor and Emma. They've been on here before. Emma was on with a Halloween candy. They both were on for that. Mm -hmm. And Connor was on for a fishing fishing lure. Remember that? Emma's behind the scenes. Emma, come on over here. Yeah. Did you help with this cake at all? No. Oh. She was at school. Stick, stick your head in here. Here's my beautiful do- granddaughter, <laughs> Emma. All righty. What, what grade are you in, Emma? Fourth. Fourth grade. And she does cheerleading, and she is a dance Hip-hop. perfectionist. Perfect. Hip-hop. Perfectionist. Hip-hop. Hip-hop, right? Spins. So they've yeah. been, she, she's been on episode. This is actually Joelle's first time appearing yes. on camera. Yes, it is. Yep. She's been a voice behind the scenes a couple times. Yeah, you had Josh on before you had We've me. had Josh oh, yeah. on before her. And, and you should hear Emma sing. Emma, you want to come on Reborn Report and sing a song? Yeah, you could do a singing competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joelle, this is quite a surprise. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I love yep. you. I love you, too. All right. All right. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. Bye. I'll get out of here now. Now, let's get on with our topic, shall we, DJ? Yeah, that was a little bit of fun, wasn't it? Thank you, Joel, for that surprise. So, God created everything in six days. Really? How could he do that? Really? That's the topic for today. Now, if the days of creation are really geological days of millions of years, we as believers have a really big problem. It would mean that the gospel message is undermined at its very foundation because these long periods of time would put death, disease, suffering before man. Yeah, we talked about that a little last week. Before man's fall because of sin. Right. Think about it. That's true. But here's the thing. Don't be misled because that's not the true facts. You see, the effort to define the days of creation as long periods of time is the result of incorrect and a wrong approach to the scripture. Simply put, it reinterprets the word of God on the basis of fallible theories of man. Right. If a person is totally honest and reads God's word without these influences and predetermined ideas— one would have to admit that you could never get the idea of millions of years from reading the passage in Genesis about creation. The problem is, many Christians today accept and teach, based on outside influences, that the days of creation must have been long periods, millions or even billions of years of time. So that's what we want to talk about today. Alrighty. We believe that the Bible reveals our true history, just as it is written. So, we're going to share with you, our listeners, some reasons why you should believe it to be the truth as well. Starting with number one, God communicates through language. You're absolutely right, DJ. When God made the first man, Adam, if you think about it, he must have already programmed him with a language because Adam was created as a young man or an adult of some sort. Mm-hmm. He wasn't created as a baby or as an infant, was he? No. The Bible says God talked with Adam and Adam understood. Mm. They communicated with each other right from the start. And it's clear in the Bible 
that they communicated with words, a language. Right. So going on to number two, why long days of creation? Why, why is that going on? Why good, is that happening? Good question, DJ. In every instance that I've studied or, or, or read or seen where someone does not accept the days of creation to be ordinary days, it's because they haven't allowed the words of the scripture to speak to them in context as language requires for proper communication. You see, people have been influenced by man's ideas outside of God's word. And in doing so, they have set a precedent that could allow any passage or any word of the Bible, for that matter, to be reinterpreted by these preconceived ideas of the person reading the words. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense to me. And ultimately, this will lead to a communication breakdown, as the same words in the same context can mean different things to different people, right? Right. Even many of today's church leaders have adopted the millions of years theories because of outside influences. Now, most will admit that if Genesis 1 is read and taken in a straightforward way, it does seem to teach six ordinary days, but then they'll go on to say, well, that can't be because of these outside influences of the age of the universe and all those theories. Well, you know, Dad, no, I knew what we were talking about today, so I looked up some quotes from oh, good. some people smarter than us. And, <laughs> well, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> and I wrote them down. So listen to this quote specifically from a well-known Bible scholar. Okay. It says, We have been shown the possibility of God's having formed the earth and its life in a series of creative days, representing long periods. In view of the apparent age of earth, this is not only possible, but it is probable. Really? This is a Bible scholar saying this. Really? Yeah. Really. Now, that seems to me that the theologians have come to believe this way, man's view, this science of nature, as the 67th book of the Bible. And apparently with more authority than the 66 actual God-inspired written ones. Right, TJ? Well, to contrast this quote, I want to read from Charles Spurgeon. He okay. was known as the Prince of Preachers wow. back in the late 1800s. Okay. And he says, We are invited, brethren, most earnestly, to go away from the belief of our forefathers because of the supposed discoveries of science. But what is science? It seems to be a method by which man tries to conceal his ignorance. Wow. It shouldn't be so, but it is. You are not to be dogmatic in theology, my brethren. Well, that word dogmatic, it means forced to believe something differently because of the strong influences and theories and ideas of other people. Exactly, right? right. Continuing on, he says, it is wicked, but for scientific men, it is the correct thing. You should never assert anything very strongly, but scientists, they boldly assert what they cannot prove and demand a faith that requires a belief in slight and uncertain evidence far more than any we possess. Wow. So we are to take our Bibles and shape the mold of our belief according to the ever-shifting teachings of so-called scientific men? <laughs> what foolishness this is. The march of science, falsely called so, may be traced throughout the world by exploded fallacies and abandoned theories. Former scientific explorers, once adored, 
are now ridiculed. That's true. The continual wreckings of false hypotheses are a matter of universal notoriety. You may tell where the learned have encamped by the debris left behind of suppositions and theories as plentiful as broken bottles. Wow. Wow, that's a pretty bold stance, isn't it, TJ? It sure is. It's clear that he didn't compromise his belief on the Word of God, he did he? He certainly did not. Wow. And so it is our belief here on Reborn Report that anyone who would use historical science as proposed by people who, by and large, ignore God's written revelation to interpret the Bible and try to teach us things about God, have matters, to put it nicely, blank backwards. Oh, you mean butt backwards. Well, that's even a nicer <laughs> way of putting it, yeah. We believe, because of the fact that we are fallen, fallible creatures, we need God's written word, influenced by the Holy Spirit, for us to properly understand the natural history of the universe, the earth, and man. Right. I've got one more quote I want to read. Okay. Can you take it? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> That's my line, but... It's by a leading Christian theologian, Louis Burkhoff, and he says, Since the entrance of sin into the world, man can gather true knowledge about God from his revelation only if he studies in the light of the scripture, in which the elements of God's original self-revelation, obscured and perverted by the blight of sin, are republished, corrected, and interpreted. That's what I was saying. Right. Some are inclined to speak of God's general revelation as a second source, but this is hardly correct. <laughs> in view of the fact that nature itself can come into consideration only as interpreted in light of the scripture. Wow, that's a true statement right there. Wow, it sure is. He's using some reverse psychology yeah. there, isn't he? Yeah. That's good. Now, I agree with that. We agree with that, don't we? Sure. And that's our purpose for Reborn Report. Now, I want to say that we like science and we appreciate science. After all, God gave us science, real, true science, mm -hmm. and you're a biological major. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a science. science degree. Spent four years in, right. in different classes and thinking right. throughout all of them, God created all this. We're not trying this. to criticize science, but we believe that Christians should build their thinking and their belief system on the Bible, God's Word. Right and not be so influenced by fallible men's theories and ideas, as that quote you just said, right. that's all too often just neatly packaged and thrown together under the heading of science. Yeah, science has good branding, you might right. say. Now, last week we said that the original Hebrew word for day is yom, right? Yep. And any typical concordance will tell you that yom can have a wide range of meanings. Yeah, in fact, it can mean a period of light as contrasted to night, like daytime. Mm -hmm. It can mean a 24-hour period of time. It can represent a specific point in time, such as the 21st century or in a year, like summertime. Right, and, we're, and the reason we're bringing this up again is we're talking about the passage of creation in Genesis 1. We talked about it a little last week. Right. So... Also, in a Hebrew-English dictionary, you will find seven headings and many subheadings, I looked it up, for the meaning of the word yom. Okay. It defines the days of creation in Genesis 1 as ordinary days under the heading day as defined by evening and morning. Okay. There you go. There you have it. Now, my point is this. A number and a phrase, evening and morning, are used with 
each of the six days of creation in Genesis 1, verses 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31. Now, here's what's telling about all this. First, outside of Genesis 1, Yom, meaning day, is used with a number 359 times. And each time it means an ordinary day. So let me ask you, DJ, why would Genesis 1 be the exception? I don't know. I couldn't see why. Second, outside of Genesis 1, Yom, day, is used with the word evening or morning 23 times. And the same two words appear in association with Yom another 38 times. In all, 61 times the text refers to an ordinary day. So again, I ask you, why would Genesis 1 be the exception? The evidence is stacking up against it. Right. Third, in Genesis 1-5, Yom occurs in context with the word night. Now, outside of Genesis 1, night is used with Yom 53 times. And each time it means, you guessed it, an ordinary day. So again, I ask you, DJ, why would Genesis 1 be the exception. You really did your research, huh? Yes, I did. <laughs> the truth is, and it's very plain to see when you study it out, it isn't. The use of the word light with Yom in this passage plainly determines the meaning as an ordinary day. And I'll add to that this, Dad. The plural of Yom, which, mind you, does not appear in Genesis 1, can be used to communicate longer periods of time, such as saying, in those days. Right, exactly. And that's not in Genesis 1, right? Right. right. And there's also Hebrew words that could have been used, like olam, or I don't know how to, I'll spell it, I don't know how to pronounce that. Q-E-D-E-M. How would you pronounce that? Kudem? Kudem. Something like that, I don't know. It's another Jewish word, plural word. And those two words are very suitable for communicating long periods of time or indefinite time. But again, none of these words are used in Genesis 1. So what, you're, what we're saying is there were words they could have used, but chose to use the one that always means literal day. Exactly. Exactly. I've also got a quote for this, Dad, okay. and I want you to listen to it. It's from Dr. James Barr, a professor of Hebrew at Oxford University. Okay. And he says, as far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writer of Genesis 1 through 11 intended to convey to the readers the ideas that, A, creation took place in a series of six days, which were the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience, wow. B, people contained in the Genesis genealogies provided by simple addition, a chronology from the beginning of the world up to the later stages in the biblical story, wow. and C, Noah's flood was understood to be the worldwide to be worldwide and mm-hmm. it extinguished all human and animal life except for those in the ark. And we'll speak about Noah's flood later on. Wow. So in light of all that, if the word day, yom, in these chapter in Genesis 1 does not mean a literal 24-hour period, then the interpretation of scripture in the Bible is hopeless and useless. Exactly. But thankfully, God never intended it to be this way. If we will simply let the words of the language speak to us in accord with the context 
and normal definitions without being influenced by outside theories and ideas, then the word for day, yom, found in Genesis 1, which is qualified by a number, and the phrase evening and morning, and for day one, the words light and darkness, mm-hmm. obviously it means an ordinary 24-hour day. And I'd like to add this. Because God is infinite in power and wisdom, he claims to be the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He said so himself. Right. I read that last week. Yeah. There's no doubt he could have created everything in no time at all, say six hours or six minutes or even six seconds for that matter. Or even instantaneously right. because the Bible states in Luke one thirty seven, with God, nothing shall be impossible. You're right. So for me, the better question that we should be asking is this. Why did God take so long? <laughs> Why as long as six days to create everything? And that's a good question because the answer is given to us in Exodus 20, 11, which you read last week, but I think it's worth reading again. I think so as well. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and sets it apart as holy. So now if you think about it, DJ, our seven-day week that we go by, base everything around it, really would have no basis outside of the scripture. In fact, in Exodus 31, God commands who his people, Israel, to work for six days and then rest on for one on the Sabbath. Right. So it's, it's not just in the one place, it's recorded throughout the Old Testament. And I'll add this, it's the basic context of the fourth commandment that God gave to Moses in the Ten Commandments, right? And it gives us the reason why he deliberately took as long as six days to create everything. You see, he was setting an example for man. Our week is patterned after his principle. Mm. Now think about this. If God created everything in six, say, million long years, followed by a million year long day of rest, We'd have a pretty weird work week, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, I don't want to work for six million years in a row. <laughs> Although the way you sleep, you'd probably like to rest for a million. Yeah, the million years of rest would be nice. <laughs> now, I get it. A lot of people will say uh, that Exodus twenty one eleven is only an analogy in the sense that man is to work and then he is to rest. Not that it means six literal ordinary days followed by one literal ordinary day to rest. Right. However, leading Bible scholars have shown that this commandment does not use an analogy or that kind of thinking or reasoning, but that its emphasis is stated in terms of the imitation of God, a divine precedent that is to be followed. Or in other simpler words, just as God worked for six literal days and rested for one ordinary day, people are to do the same. You made that sound so much simpler than me. (laughs) Now, the implication of all this is this. As the days of creation are ordinary days in length, then by adding up the years in scriptures through the genealogies that you've mentioned, assuming there's no gaps in, in them as listed in the Bible, the age of the earth is roughly 6,000 years or so. Give or take a little. Most people believe between six and 7,000 years. Right. 
Now, I will admit, that seems impossible through our natural way of thinking and the influence of man's theories and ideas about creation and evolution. But again, God is the supernatural, all-powerful, almighty, and all-knowing creator of everything, including man. Mm -hmm. We humans simply don't and can't operate on his level at all, unless we have the influence of God's Holy Spirit. Now, the most common objection we'd hear to all this would be someone saying, but DJ, science has shown that the earth and the universe are billions of years old. Right, here So all the, the time. days of creation must be long periods or even indefinite periods of time. So what's your answer? So my answer to that would be the age of the earth as determined by man's fallible methods is based on unproven assumptions, like we talked about last week with carbon dating and radio, radiometric yeah, We're dating. not making fun, but man only knows so much. He can only go back so far without right. guessing. Exactly. So it is simply not proven, that was what you're saying, that the earth is billions of years old. There's no way to prove it through science because we can't go back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the unproven age though, is being used to force an interpretation on the language of the Bible. That's what I'm getting at. Right. And so man's theories and ideas are really allowed to interpret God's word. And this ultimately undermines the use of language to communicate the real truth about God and his holy word. You know, Paul said something in Romans 3.3 3 that sure seems to describe what we're talking about, TJ. He said, for what if some do not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not, he said. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. Mm. People, we need to realize that the word of God is something very special. It's not just the words of men. Yeah, in fact, like Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is, truly the word of God. Wow. It seems like we have slipped further and further and further away from that. I think that's what God intended from the beginning. And Proverbs 35 states that every word of God is pure. And it goes on to say, do not add to his words, lest he reprove you and you be found to be in a liar. Hmm. The Bible simply cannot be treated just as some great literary work. And you know why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. You're right. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that man, the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah. I mean, we can't know things that we can't know. Without God. Without God. Right. Without the Bible. God gives us an insight into things that man by himself simply can't figure out. So who wrote up this story? <laughs> so in closing, yeah, man wrote that? Yeah. I don't think so. So in closing, we want to say this, that every word and letter in the Bible is there because God put it there for us to learn. We need to listen to God speaking to us through his word. And not arrogantly think that we can tell God or others what he really means. That's a good point. 
So I think we want to continue on with this creation and evolution. I'm calling it the apologetics uh, uh, series. Maybe next week we'll get into talking a little bit about Noah's Ark. We've got a ton of content on this. We're really entertained. Or we're very invested in this. We yeah. think it's a very intriguing topic. Well, like we'll I said, be continuing like to do it for a like, few weeks. Like I said at the very beginning, it's the root and the core of why we believe what we believe. Right. And if you don't have the creation part settled, you're on uh, not solid ground in the rest of your Christian theology. So we're going to be moving probably away from creation a little bit, but still with like creationist topics we'll, like we'll, Noah's Ark. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us. Next yeah, week. but I think we'll be talking about Noah's Ark next week. So have you heard from your college about your um, going to medical school yet? No. Wow. So I might be going to Virginia. So pray for DJ that he hears soon from the school in, in Erie, Lecom, that you want to go to. Um, I think the whole coronavirus thing has, post, slowed, it down. has slowed down their application the process. process. So, and good weather's here. Thank God for that. It's <laughs> nice to see the sunshine, right? Yeah. Both in our hearts and on our bodies. God created the sun for us to enjoy. So to bar you from dad's rambling for the next 10 <laughs> minutes, we thank you for joining the special 50th episode of Reborn Report. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Joelle. We, that, for this, that was an awful nice surprise. And uh, we'll see you all next week right here on Reborn Report, where the Word of God will get you all fired up. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> see you, guys. Bye. <laughs>